Stoughton Hospital strives to meet the changing needs of the communities we serve. Our experts provide you with the information you need to make informed health care decisions. Here's Melanie Cole with Stoughton Hospital Health Talk. If you're a woman, you know that there's so many things that go on with your body. I know that as somebody right now in the throes of menopause, I never quite know what is going on with my body. But that's why we have our OB-GYNs, because they can answer all of those questions. And today we're talking about endometrial ablation. My guest is Dr. Rebecca Downs. She's an obstetrician gynecologist with Stoughton Hospital. Dr. Downs, what are some of the most common conditions that you see that might send a woman to see you as far as heavy bleeding and such? Because I know I was one of those. And I went to my OB-GYN because I had such heavy bleeding. Yes, it's unfortunately very common for, for women. Uh, typically, I see women come into the office somewhere between their 30 and 30 decade and up to their 50-year-old decade, where they tend to have a little bit of a change in their, in their period. So oftentimes, after women are done having babies, they find that their periods come back heavier, um, and that can be a common reason for them to come in and talk with me at the office. And there's a couple different things that can cause heavy bleeding for, for women in those decades. What are some of the causes of heavy bleeding? I certainly would like to know. So some women have an enlarged uterus, and it can be enlarged because it's filled with fibroids. Fibroids are benign growths of the uterus that um, can cause heavy bleeding and lots of bad cramps. And then some women can have a different structural abnormality inside the cavity of the uterus called an endometrial polyp. So a polyp is is a kind of like a skin tag, but it's on the inside of the uterus in the endometrial lining where it can cause heavy bleeding or, or oftentimes bleeding in between in the middle of your cycle. And then some women don't actually have a structural abnormality at all. They just happen to have really heavy periods uh, where they're soaking through a period every one to two hours and double covering with tampons, and they're just miserable. That's really affected their quality of life. So that's a, a good time to come in and talk to a gynecologist, certainly. Before we talk about ablation, I know my doctor discussed this with me, but we tried meds first, and it seemed to help me. We did a progesterone thing. What are the first line of defenses if someone comes to you and, and they're miserable and they've got that situation? What do you try first? Yeah, so certainly the first thing we do usually is order a pelvic ultrasound just to kind of rule out is there a fibroid or polyp there that could change our plan because then the medications probably wouldn't be as effective. Uh, but if a pelvic ultrasound is nice and normal, um, then we talk about some treatment options like medications like you mentioned. So first-line treatment is usually either a progesterone-only pill uh, or a regular what we call combined oral contraceptive pill, which is kind of known as the birth control pill in the lay public. Um, and oftentimes those things can certainly regulate periods and they make periods lighter and less crampy for women. And then they also provide contraception or pregnancy prevention, which is often a, a benefit for a lot of women. So those can be first-line things. Other things that are a little bit longer-acting, meaning you don't have to remember to take a pill every day, uh, would be something like an IUD. So there are hormonal IUDs that contain progesterone hormone, um, and those can be placed inside the uterus. It's a little small device, or it looks like a T-shaped piece of plastic that we place in the office, and it sits in the uterus for somewhere between three to five years, and it releases a little bit of hormone every day. And that hormone, over time, thins out the lining of the uterus and then makes periods lighter and less crampy for a lot of women. So it's another type of progesterone treatment that can make bleeding a lot better and more tolerable and also provides pregnancy prevention. If none of those options work, then you start this discussion about 
a procedure such as endometrial ablation. Tell us what that discussion looks like, and what do you tell patients, Dr. Downs, about what this procedure is? So we talk about uh, endometrial ablation being something a little bit more permanent or definitive than than a medication. So sometimes women are ready to, to proceed with that. Um, certainly women have to be done um, with uh, their childbearing years, so done getting pregnant, because once you ablate or kind of destroy the lining of the uterus, it's not something that would be safe to get pregnant afterwards. Um, so we talk about it as a surgical procedure. Thankfully, it's a nice outpatient procedure, meaning women come in and go home the same day from the hospital. So the recovery is really not, not too bad. It's usually like a day or two at most. Um, and women have a little bit of cramping after. Um, and we talk about the procedures being something that, that really can provide them, you know, either minimal uh, bleeding, so very regular light periods for the rest of their reproductive life, or potentially a lot of women actually after an endometrial ablation stop bleeding altogether. And that's a really a great selling point for women for the endometrial ablation. And then they don't have to remember to take a pill every day, and it's, it's more of a definitive treatment for their heavy bleeding. So does it last then as they finish up menopause or go through? Is it something that might have to be redone or not? Great question. So endometrial ablation, there's some really good studies. We use um, different types now than we used to that are way more effective. And so the one that I typically use is something called a Novasure device, and it uses bipolar radio frequency. And so it essentially kind of like burns the lining of the uterus, um, but it measures it so that it only burns what it needs to. And because it does that, because it destroys the lining of the uterus, essentially it shouldn't really come back. And so it should last a long time for women. And it's been around long enough now that we have really good data to say up to, you know, 10 or 15 years that women tend to really not have a recurrence of bleeding that it lasts that whole time. So if we time it up just right, and typically women in their kind of mid-30s or definitely in their 40s, the ablation should work long enough to get them to menopause with the average age of menopause for women being around 51, 52. So it's a great treatment if we time it up at the right time. Can a woman still get bleeding or heavy bleeding after an ablation is done? And if they do, is that a worrisome thing? So typically before we even proceed with the endometrial ablation, we do a sampling of the lining of the uterus, or which is called the endometrium, just to make sure that those cells are normal, that there's no other cause for the heavy bleeding like a precancer or cancer. So we always do that going in so that we know that we're, you know, doing a proper and safe treatment. And then, you know, after the ablation, you know, most women, I'd say about 90% end up having a successful ablation. So the data is really good on that. Um, and about 50% and some Sometimes even more women um, stop bleeding altogether. And then, you know, to answer your question, you know, if a woman has heavy bleeding after an ablation, then then that would be in that small 10% of an unsuccessful ablation. So then those women require, you know, either a separate evaluation to re-biopsy or resample the lining of the uterus and or may need, you know, another procedure like a hysterectomy uh, because we can't go back in and re-ablate the lining because it kind of scars the inside of the uterine cavity down. So, so redoing it would not be a safe option. So then we move on to either medica- medical treatments again um, or talk about hysterectomy, so removing the uterus if they, tend to, if they are still having heavy bleeding after the ablation. But thankfully, that's a really small subset of women. You explain that so well, Dr. Downs. You're really a great educator. I imagine that the women that come to see you are very happy with the way that you're able to explain all of these things. Are there some women 
that should not have an ablation based on whether you biopsy or if they've had cancer before? Are there some people that are not candidates for this? Yes, definitely. So that's why it's important to have a consultation with a gynecologist prior. Um, So a woman who desires pregnancy would not be a good candidate for an ablation. Uh, Somebody who had a biopsy that showed what we call endometrial hyperplasia, which is like a thickening of the lining of the uterus, those those cells are at risk of uh, developing into a cancer over time. And so those women would not be a candidate to have an ablation because we wouldn't want to mask any abnormal cells. Um, A woman who's also had an endometrial cancer before would not be a candidate because that would not be something that we would want to cover up or mask. Um, And then also women that have, you know, in the beginning when we talked about a structural abnormality like a polyp or a fibroid, if the fibroid is really big, it's the ablation just really won't be as effective. It won't work as well. If that fibroid's pushing into the cavity of the uterus, then it's it's causing more troubles than the ablation can kind of take care of. So women that have really large fibroids are, are usually not good candidates for an ablation. Um, and then, you know, alternatively, the other reason we do that pelvic ultrasound in the beginning is to make sure that the uterus is a nice, normal size and shape. And so if it's a really big uterus or really small uterus, then the ablation either won't fit or or, uh, the device won't fit, or it just won't work. So those are other people that I that I um, would not recommend an ablation. We talk about other options like an IUD or pills or things that we mentioned before. And I'd really like to have you on again to talk about fibroids and, you know, those things because so many women suffer from that. And so it's interesting that, you know, these kinds of things all go together for women. As you wrap it up for us, Dr. Downs, what would you like women to know about taking care of themselves so they can take care of the rest of society and recognizing pelvic pain, cramps, heavy bleeding, these things that can make them miserable and when it's time and important that they come to see you. Yeah, I think women tend to kind of suffer in silence just because that's what women do. Um, and I would recommend that, that, that that's not what we have to do. So I would definitely recommend that if you're suffering from really heavy or painful periods uh, or bad pelvic pain, that you actually reach out to an OBGYN because it certainly can't hurt to talk about it. And oftentimes I have women that come in and say, oh, my goodness, why didn't I come in 10 years ago? I wish I would have done this before. I just didn't know. Um, and so women just kind of tough it out and think that, oh, I've always said heavy periods, this is just the way it's going to be, and then really don't think about other options where there are wonderful safe options that that can really improve quality of life for women, which is really my goal. So I would encourage them to reach out, you know, and talk with, you know, either their family care, primary care or or family practice doctor and say, hey, do you think I'd be a good person to go? Or just to go ahead and on their own make that appointment with an OBGYN just to have the discussion. It's great information and so important, as you say, for women to hear, because we do sometimes put ourselves off before we take care of ourselves because we're so busy all the time. Thank you again for clearing that up for us and telling us ways that we can treat things like heavy bleeding that we just sometimes figure are a part of our lives. Thanks again, Dr. Downs. This is Stoughton Hospital Health Talk. For more information, please visit StoughtonHospital.com. That's StoughtonHospital.com. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks for tuning in.